Hello, I'm Scott Winnale, and this is TW Now. Welcome back to our regular viewers, and if you're just joining us, it's great to have you with us today. There was a time in many nations when your word was your bond, and honesty was the best policy. It was a time when lying to parents sometimes earned a washing out of a child's mouth with soap. Even the comic book hero Superman fought for truth, while he also fought for justice in the American way. Today, it seems that lying has become a regular part of life, even in the cultures of the West, where biblical values were once nearly universal. The average person lies every day, and lying is often justified as a means to a more important or well-intentioned end. In fact, it is now common to see headlines like the following one that hopefully you'll see on your screen. This is from January 2017. It says, 60% of your colleagues are lying to you. What if your boss or your employees fall into that category? What happened to telling the truth? Is honesty truly dead? Today's returning guests will help us examine these questions that are important and highly relevant to us today. I'd like to reintroduce Mr. Ken Frank here in the studio. Mr. Frank is a university-level theology faculty member. He's also a longtime minister and is avidly interested in the truth. Mr. Stephen Elliott is joining us from Phoenix, Arizona. Mr. Elliott, it's great to have you back with us as well. Mr. Elliott is a longtime minister. He's a student of world affairs, and he's also been involved in law enforcement in years past, having to deal with truth and with lies. Both men are going to be sharing their honest feelings about this issue with us today. So again, gentlemen, it's great to have you back with us. Uh, one more comment for our audience here. If you do have questions as we carry out our discussion today, please feel free to message us and we'll do our best to get to some of your questions. Also, we invite you to subscribe, like, or share today's program. All right, as we get started, Mr. Elliott, let me ask you the question, and this is for both of you gentlemen. Uh, what is society today telling us about lying and honesty? What, what kind of messages are we being hit with today? Well, the message I see is that lying is part of life. It's totally permissible. Sometimes people say we shouldn't, but we see this in public figures. We see it in business. Um, we see it among our politicians. It's on the news every night. And so that seems to be the accepted way today. Mr. Frank. Honesty is part of human character. And I looked up the word honesty from uh, Webster's Unabridged Dictionary. And it goes back to the old Latin word honestus, which was honor. And in the biblical world, uh, they were moved, people were moved generally by honor and shame. Honor was so vital to a person's integrity. And um, it's even quoted, used in that dictionary, quoting from the scripture, and we're told to pray for those in authority, but then to live a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So it's very much part of the Christian way that our Western culture is losing, even though at one time it was heavily influenced by scripture, uh, it is seeping away rapidly. And so now people, uh, people's character are in, held in suspicion constantly. We have such amount of lying between people, as you've quoted, uh, that we don't know what to believe any longer, it seems. Why, back to you, Mr. Elliott, why do we see dishonesty today on the level we see it today? It seems like it is more prevalent. 
when this country was beginning, when it was founded, many people owned one book, and they grew up learning to read the King James Bible. And even if they didn't follow it completely, that book was so influential in the early United States for the first couple hundred years at least that people knew about it and we used to say our word is our bond. A handshake and word meant everything. But as we see today, fewer and fewer people believe in religion, believe in the Bible as the the standard, probably don't even own one, maybe never read one. They've drifted away from those standards, and now they look for other standards or lack of standards. Mr. Frank, why do you think we're, we're, society is getting traction in the area of dishonesty and forsaking honesty? Well, for one thing, it pays. Many times people get a, an edge uh, when they are dishonest. Uh, talking about the Bible being the book of the uh, early years of our country, in our school system, one of the mm. tools that was used was the McGuffey Reader. And the McGuffey Reader taught, used moral language to teach virtues such as honesty. And that was used in American schools until the mid-20th century. I can remember even when I was in kindergarten and first grade that our teacher began class with a prayer and a Bible reading every day. And I also remember in the 60s when that was removed. And it seems like we have gone quickly downhill from there. Mm. So as we talk about this, we're, we're talking about a, a removal of the Bible in a biblical basis, perhaps, from much of Western society. Mr. Ellie, can you think of any other reasons why we're seeing uh, honesty go away? Well, we've heard the term situational ethics. We've heard that there is no truth. Even some of our university professors say that, you know, there's nothing that you can really depend on. Everything is fungible. Mm. Uh, everything changes. So that kind of concept has come into our life. And now one of the articles that we were looking at earlier from the Hoover Institution said in one sentence, I'm areas of contemporary life, and it starts with law law, business, and politics, among others, that expecting honesty on a regular basis is naive or foolish. So we've gone from a belief system based on the King James Bible to a belief system on what works for us, what we think is good, what's practical, what sells. Mr. Frank, do you think that honesty is being taught in schools anymore to kids or in the home? Hopefully people who understand the importance of honesty as a character virtue are teaching that to their children. Unfortunately, parents don't always set the, good, the best example themselves. Mm. And when they begin to lie to their children, and the kids detect it in time, they get smart enough to detect it, then they realize that's how you get out of a tight situation at home. Then they begin to, t to lie to their parents and lie to each other. And when they see it among colleagues at school and even among teachers, then it just replicates throughout culture. Mm -hmm. I think our parents teach our children some things too, that you can't trust everything a parent says. 
starting with Christmas mm. and with Easter bunnies. When Tuesdays. a child learns that those things aren't true, that could be very devastating for a young mind. Mm. But the parents then have proven to the child that you can't trust everything that the parent says. Mm. It can carry on from there. It reminds me of a person that I've known over the years who was raised in a family, taught about this invisible being who came and snuck down the chimney at night and left presents on uh, under the under the tree and left and obviously came to realize as she got a little bit older that there was no Santa Claus but it actually caused a lot of consternation in her own mind when she was then asked to believe in this invisible being that's in charge of the universe and here's your prayers when you pray to him yeah. it, it really caused consternation for her Let's come back to this concept of um, white lies and of situation ethics. Uh, Mr. Frank, I was wondering if you could comment a little bit more on that. And isn't there a time when a little white lie is okay because you're, you're trying to help people or you don't want to get them upset with you? In 2016, we added a new term to our vocabulary and our dictionaries, post-truth. We live in the post-truth era. So what's happening now is that my truth may not be the same truth as your truth. In other words, I want to determine for myself what is truth and what is false. And so every man's doing that which is right in his own eyes. And of course, in the Bible, warns against that very sternly. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the white lie concept? Well, we justify it. We see it in print doing the research, reading the articles before this presentation, we see that it's justified, that it's good in some cases. It's accepted as part of uh, diplomacy, people and countries lying to one another. We don't want to make anybody feel bad. If someone isn't the most attractive, we would never tell them that. We would lie to them to try to make them feel good, and we think then it's justified. But if it goes down that road, and if it's a falsehood, then it takes us in a direction that doesn't work. Ultimately, it doesn't work, and we're to the place now where we don't believe what we hear. I was going to ask Mr. Frank, following up on what Mr. Elliot just said, what could be the ramifications of telling a little white lie here and a little white lie there and justifying here? Over time, what, where will that potentially lead us? It is a corruption within. When a person begins to lie to himself, then he has to lie to others to protect his own image. Mm. And so, in time, that person doesn't know who they really are. And they're doing things down the road to remember, trying to remember all the lies they've told these people and those people and, and to avoid conflicts. Whereas honesty is the simplest and the easy, easiest, uh, not always easy to do, but it's certainly the safest way to go to protect one's own integrity. Mm. And uh, to, in the world, people that live by that are often called losers. Losers. Isn't that sad? That we call evil good and good evil. That's exactly what God said would happen in these end times. Mm -hmm. When we look at honesty around us today and actually dishonesty we, we see headlines all the time we see examples of dishonest situations and it's interesting 
almost ironic, we'll probably move beyond this in our, our post-truth society and, and environment. But it's interesting to note that we see headlines once in a while that actually do highlight dishonesty still. Can you think of any, Mr. Elliott, can you think of any things that you've seen in the news or heard about in the news lately that really highlight um, maybe an excessively dishonest situation? Well, I think we've all seen the academic cheating that's been in the news lately. And it's probably surprised some people that this was finally caught. I think many people just assumed that this would be normal. But obviously there is an effort to stop it because it's undermining the value of a college degree. It's undermining the respect of education. So that's been a big issue. The other thing that we see constantly in politics is we hear different stories and we wonder which one's true. Mm. And so that causes us to lack trust in those people that are talking to us. It, it almost uh, can get a different spin on the truth depending on the news network you go to. You can choose yes, the side I, that you want to look at. I hate that term spin because it means a different lie. Mm. Really what it means, it's just a nice way of saying, we know they're lying to us, we're just not sure when. Well, it's interesting in that light, we also have these individuals today called spin doctors. Uh, who, who really are masters of lie when you, when you think about it. Mr. Frank, back to this idea of the, this cheating scandal. Maybe you can just really quickly boil it down for our audience in case someone hasn't or isn't familiar with it, but then speak to it a little bit more. Yeah, it's been in the news past month or so, and again, uh, this past week I saw it on uh, 630 News. And according to ABC News, the college admission scandal is the largest of its kind ever prosecuted federal prosecutors said, and features 50 defendants across six states, millions of dollars in illegally funneled funds, and a handful of the country's most selective universities. Universities tend to accept two out of three applicants, generally speaking. But in these select schools, mm -hmm. that number goes down to about somewhere between five and 10%. And so parents are doing whatever it takes to try to get their children into these select schools. And that means bribery disguised as donations to charities, uh, bribery to coaches, and, uh, and other things like that. So it, it's really a mess, and it, it's far from being over. I think what's surprised me by the scandal is that this is not um, poor individuals who can't afford universities who are trying to get their kids into these programs. These are wealthy people who could very easily get their kids into most private schools. Yet the, the, the average private school apparently isn't good enough. They want this brand yeah. on their child, and they're willing to spend, in some cases, millions of dollars uh, bribing and lying and, and circumventing truth. Mr. Yep. Elliott, I see a grin on your face. You have some thoughts for us? Well, just listening to this, um, People are people, and people have been taught, I guess, for the last couple of decades to start their children pre-kindergarten, getting them trained, getting them ahead of the others so that they can work up and be in the best schools. And if they can't make it, now we see that they're willing to try everything else. What this does, though, this, this uh, reduces the value or the respect of those college institutions and their degrees. It makes the degree worth less once it's finished. And so it's self-defeating. It's harmful. Mm. I want to come back to uh, the idea of white lies for a minute. 
and I don't want to beat a dead horse here to use a turn of phrase, but I've got a good question from YouTube. It says, what about alternate facts? Mm -hmm. So much of politics seems to give us only partial honesty, uh, revealing only some of the truth. What are your thoughts about that? Start with Mr. Frank. And why would someone reveal partial facts? Unlike in a courtroom, you're supposed to reveal, the, tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. People want to reveal only that which makes them look good, puts them in a good light. It's sad that we now dwell in an era where we talk about fake news of any report that we don't like or seems derogatory to us. And now we've actually got, in the higher echelons, even alternate facts being discussed. Alternate facts. Well, facts are facts. At least that's the way they used to be. But now, um, again, this, this gets back to the situ situational ethics. Mm -hmm. That I have a particular worldview that I'm going to defend to the ultimate, and I will only accept those reports that support my view of the world. Mm -hmm. or my political agenda. And that's where we are now, that politics has gotten to the place where we expect to be lied by our political leaders, and still we vote for them and put them in office. I mean, the general populace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mr. Elliott, we were talking before the program, and you were sharing some of your experience in law enforcement and, and actually some of the perspectives that you and I guess your colleagues developed on the courtroom. And, and what happened in the courtroom related to truth. I was wondering if you could share some of that. That was some decades ago when I was a young man in law enforcement. But at that time, the common statement was people go to court, they swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, and then they and their lawyers test a lie. And in, it instead was of testify. Joke, but it was half truth, not testify, but test a lie. Mm. And this was known, I guess, pretty well accepted a long time ago, and it's not gotten any better. We've seen a lot of lawyers in the news, on the evening news in the last, I'd say the last uh, three or four months, telling different stories, and we don't believe any of them. Mm. I used to work with, Mr. Frank and I used to work with an individual who was a lawyer, a, a trial lawyer for a time. And one of the stories he tells is he was, he was defending a case, and I guess he, he met a new judge and a new lawyer, and they weren't sure what to think of him. And one of his colleagues who knew all the individuals said, oh, this, he's, he's a good guy, he wears a white hat. Uh, acknowledging that a lot of the lawyers in the courts didn't wear a white hat, they weren't truthful. Uh, which even at that time, and this again was decades ago, this isn't current, uh, so you can only imagine where things have come to at this point. <clears throat> George Orwell said something I thought was quite interesting. He said, political language, and with variations, this is true of all political parties, from conservatives to anarchists, political language is designed to make lies sound truthful and murder respectable. So who do you trust? That's our question as citizens, as consumers of information. And that's unfortunate. That really is unfortunate. We want to believe our leaders. So when we talk about situation ethics, uh, Mr. Frank was mentioning that it's sort of the truth is in the eye of the beholder today in many cases. We, we've gotten away from the standard of truth 
the Bible that we've mentioned. Let's tap into the background that both of you have as ministers now, and maybe you can take us into the scripture. Mr. Frank, you, if you would start out, what is God's view on lying? What is the biblical view on lying today? I think one of the outstanding scriptures that so well fits our own time is one from Isaiah 59, verses 14 and 15, in which God describes Isaiah's world as a time when judgment was turned away backward, justice stands afar off, truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth fails, he that departs from evil makes himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. So if you live by honesty, truth, verity, you may suffer as a consequence of it. And that is a sad state of affairs. But again, it points to the fact how far we've gotten away from biblical values. That scripture strikes me, as we were talking about before the program, truth has fallen in the street. That really comes back to the title of today's program where uh, truth is, is dying or has died. You imagine somebody falling in the street because they're giving up their life. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> What do you have to say, uh, Mr. Elliot, about God's perspectives on well, truth? Paul warned us that at the end time, and we believe we're living in that end time, we don't know how much more time we have before Christ's second coming, but in that end time, he said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, men would be lovers of themselves. And I think that's the definition of what we're talking about. A person who loves themselves, believes themselves, wants to protect themselves, will say or do anything. And then it goes on down the line talking about many evils. Proud, blasphemers, boasters, disobedient, unthankful, unloving, slanderers, without self-control. These are the things we see in our society today. These are the things that are on the news all the time. Many of them are considered wise. This is the best way to get ahead and to win today. So we have these prophecies in the Bible about the end time, the one in Isaiah, the one in Timothy here, that are God is looking at human nature, he's looking at society, and he's saying, unchecked and away from the Bible, this is the society that we're going to see, and we are. Why is this happening? Is there a motivator behind the lying, Mr. Frank? Jesus told us that Satan is the father of lies and that he has deceived the whole world. That's where it all goes back to. It goes back to that first lie in the Garden of Eden that he told Mother Eve, you shall not surely die. And ever since, we have tapped into this alternate truth, <laughs> supposedly mm -hmm. uh, truth, you know, from an yeah. evil spirit who wants to destroy uh, humankind. When you look into qualifications for leadership. God told Moses, as far as appointing those who would serve under him in leadership roles for Israel, you shall provide out of all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, place them over to be rulers of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. God knew the propensity of human nature when it's sinful is to lie. Mm -hmm. And he required integrity among his leaders. That's a powerful scripture, but it is Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And do we have any uh, uh, of that ilk of direction in the New Testament? Yeah, we go to 
what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of any virtue, think on these things. And these were qualities of deacons and bishops or the elders of the church to not be double-tongued, to be blameless. They were, again, to be men of integrity. So it's the same principle, even though from a different part of the Bible. Okay. Some additional thoughts. As Mr. Frank said earlier, Satan's the father of lies, which means there were no lies. No lie had ever been mm. told until Satan invented it. And I heard it described by one theologian that Satan apparently came to the conclusion that lying was better. That lying forced the other people to think more, challenged them, put them on the spot. That telling the truth was too easy. You could depend on anything you heard. <laughs> and so he decided it was better. And now that's been foisted off on this world, and that's how the world lives. And we're in a time where now we can't, don't know what to believe because people think that's a better way. Mm. Do you think that perspective can make its way into groups of people who even are, are trying to live without lies? It is so easy for us to follow the society around us to fit in in order to be successful. Uh, we can lie to ourselves. I think that's very common. I think we probably all do at some level. We think things to make ourselves feel better, and they may not always be true. We're told in Proverbs that the way of the fool is right in his own eyes. And if we're going down this road, we're thinking this is probably the better way. And it'll be justified because I'm trying to do what's good. I'm trying, you know, not to cause problems. But it doesn't work that way. Do you guys, do you gentlemen have any pointers, uh, Mr. Frank? We can start with you on things people can do, actions we can take to avoid lying and not fall into that lying trap. Jesus said, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so a, a person who's gonna be serious in living the Christian life looks to his savior. And throughout the day, he needs to be reminded, I need to li live a life that's open and honest and true because I'm serving the one who is called the truth. Mm -hmm. And so it's something that catches us through the day when we get uh, talking and we, we kid and we tell stories and we, we've got to catch ourselves because it's so easy to slip into exaggeration. And that exaggeration leads into more exaggeration and eventually it, it strays so far from the truth it no longer is. Mm -hmm. you have anything to add, Mr. Elliott? The Bible talks about a coming kingdom of God and God is producing today, training, choosing people to be part of his family and part of his kingdom. And he keeps repeating and specifying that lying is not accepted. God won't accept lies. Revelation 21 and verse 8 says that the cowardly, the unbelieving, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire. So God doesn't excuse these things. Even white lies are not small. And then in the last few verses of the book, 
Revelation 22, 14, he says, Blessed are those who do his commandments. One of the commandments is don't lie. Don't bear false witness. In the next verse, it says, Outside, unaccepted into this kingdom of God, is everyone who loves and practices a lie. And that describes so many businesses, so many professions, so many people in public office today, that they live by lie, loving and practicing deceit. So if we want to please God, we have to change that. Mr. Frank, <clears throat> if you think about it, uh, what are some of the benefits of telling the truth? There, there are benefits of lying. You brought up some of those earlier, uh, or at least benefits people will see and use to justify lying. Can you think of any benefits of telling the truth? I think it is an internal satisfaction that you are living by principles that are fundamental, that are overarching, that you have a relationship with God that you want to convey to others. And when, when we take the broad brush stroke, even looking back into history, even not just Christian perspective, but in, even in the Roman world, the Romans considered the goddess Veritas to be the mother of all virtue. Confucius considered honesty to be the essential source of love, communications, and fairness among people. And then we had two of our greatest presidents who are known for their honesty. Abraham Lincoln with the mythical story, I cannot tell a lie. And then Abraham Lincoln, known the as first Honest one was Washington, yes. Sorry, did I say? <clears throat> That's yeah. okay. Washington, yes. Supposedly chopping down the cherry tree, I cannot tell a lie. Mm -hmm. Well, it's somewhat myth, but he did live by that principle. And uh, Abe Lincoln, uh, Honest Abe. So for the American culture, I think we need to have role models as well. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have a Christian role model and a national role model that we can model as well. Mm -hmm. Mr. Elliott, can you think of any other benefits of telling the truth? Well, even medically speaking, we hear some studies that say being truthful, telling the truth is better for our mind, it's better for our body. That a person who is lying, deceiving, uh, they're under amount of stress. Mr. Frank said earlier they're having to try to remember their lies and trying to be able to repeat them. It adds a load of stress to the body that simply being truthful doesn't. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of, I think it was Walter Scott who uh, came up with the phrase, um, oh, what was it? If at first... I'm blanking on it. We'll pass on that one. Maybe I'll come back to it. <laughs> <clears throat> we are at a point there where we do need to wind down, so maybe we'll use my uh, little snafu there to, to punctuate, put a period at the end of that sentence, and we'll come back to you both. And what I'd like to ask you is what kind of a take-home message do you have for our viewers today in, in terms of truth and lying? And um, Mr. Elliott, if you wouldn't mind starting, as we depart today, what thought would you like to leave in the mind of our viewers? Well, for our viewers that believe in God and are trying to please Him, get in harmony with His laws and His way, obviously lying is wrong. And we have to start catching ourselves. We have to start thinking about it and not exaggerate, not do what the rest of the world does around us. 
And the side benefit of that is a peace, and it's actually a healing peace for our own mind and body. Mm. Okay. Mr. Frank? Yeah, the American Psychological Association did a survey, and they discovered that the average American lies about um, 11 times per week. So they asked people to not lie for a certain length of time and then uh, check their health. And here's what they found. Telling the truth when tempted to lie can significantly improve a person's mental and physical health. Uh, according to the Science of Honesty study presented by them at their recent uh, convention. So it has mental, uh, physical benefits, and I would say spiritual benefits for anyone living by the Bible. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be purified by living by the principle of honesty. Or you just think about your relationships with other people yeah. and how they benefit yeah. when that happens. Uh, the quote that I was trying to think of, it says, Oh, the tangled web we weave when at first we practice to deceive. And that, that whole idea that, boy, one lie, as you both have been talking about, it, it forces another one. And then pretty soon we forget the original lie and we've got to keep a lot of stories straight. Yeah. Gentlemen, thank you both for being on the program again today. Thank you for your thoughts and your insights into why things are going on in society the way they are, why we're seeing the increase in lying, and uh, why we need to continue to tell the truth and hopefully pass that on to future generations. In our post-truth era, lying has become an integral element of society, the society that tries to justify the means. In some societies, lying has been part of the social fabric for millennia. Yet today in Western cultures around the globe, where society has historically been based on biblical morality, we also see society and lying becoming more acceptable. All this is at the same time that we are seeing the dismissal of the Bible as a foundation for our morals. The truth about lying is that it results in mistrust and often hurt. <clears throat> when busyness and leaders cannot be trusted, they breed resentment in the populace. When a mate cannot be trusted, a marriage fails. When friends cannot be trusted, friendships fail. And when currencies cannot be trusted, economies fail. The God of the Bible understood the power of honesty when he said that lying is a sin, and we've touched on that today. The old adage has always been right. Honesty really is the best policy. For a different angle on lying, we encourage you to read our commentary on the parental tool of lying. The parental tool of lying, and you can find that at tomorrowsworld.org. This is an insight that will provide parents and grandparents with a different vantage point on a commonly told parental lie. And I won't tell you what that lie is, you'll have to look it up. For more insights in today's big questions, we encourage you to stay tuned to TW Now each week. Next week, we plan to discuss another type of death. That will be the death of the internet. You won't want to miss next week's program. We invite you to be sure to subscribe, like, or share today's program. And again, we look forward to seeing you again next week.